So wait a minute, I'm a little bit out of the loop here. Did I see that Jodie Foster is the new doctor and Forrest Whitaker is gonna be her companion? That sounds amazing. Welcome to the Blackcast. It is I, Christian Blatt, on Twitter and Instagram, at ChristianDMZ. Don't forget to like the Blackcast on Facebook. Follow us at Blackcast on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, our website is Blackcast.com. And that word that I said so many times, Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Now, as the theme indicates, this is going to be a very special episode of the Blackcast except for those of you who are not going to be interested in what we talk about. I like to say the Black Cast isn't for everyone, but there is an episode of the Black Cast that is for everyone. This is one of those that is not for everyone. This is, however, for you if you're interested in a conversation about Doctor Who. The first part of the conversation will focus on the casting of the new Doctor and sort of some of the reaction that there was to that. The sociological ramifications of that choice. So perhaps you want to give it a listen before it gets a little too in the weeds. I've got a great cast assembled to talk about it here on the Black Cast. But if not, join us next week. We'll have something fun. But for right now, uh, let's talk about this. So last weekend, this past Sunday, the BBC announced that the next lead actor on the 54-year-old sci-fi show Doctor Who will be Jodie Whittaker, a woman. There was a wide variety of reaction to this. There were people that were very excited. There were people that were a little skeptical. But you did have people that were outraged. And the outrage was that putting a woman in this role will forever ruin the show's legacy. Now, sometimes when I say things like this, people think I must not be a fan of something. And look, it took a little while for me to come around, as broadcast listeners know. But we have to be honest that... The legacy of Doctor Who does include quite a few rubber-faced monsters. There have definitely been some cardboard sets, special effects that make Lost in Space look like Avatar, and also Colin Baker. So there are a lot of things in the long history of this show, things that were tried, things that worked, things that didn't, and when things work, they work very well, and when they don't, you just move on to the next thing and try again. Uh, Talking about this on Facebook, there was this notion that some people can't imagine how nerds would be upset by this. But one of the things that I think people need to understand is that nerd culture gets outraged by pretty much everything, any kind of change, especially something that is a part of their childhood, changing that drastically is going to upset them. You need to understand that this is a segment of the population who was outraged that a male character was cast as a woman in a reboot of Battlestar Galactica, which I'll be the first to admit that I loved as a kid, the old 70s Battlestar Galactica. But 
it was pretty much garbage. It was a cowboy show that kind of ripped off Star Wars. Look, I saw every episode many times, and I did love it. And I think the reboot was great, but initially the idea that Starbuck is played by Dirk Benedict would be played by a woman definitely had a lot of people upset. So it's a perfect example how even in things that aren't that near and dear to our heart, we still get upset. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the most recent season of the show. We've got some great people that we're going to talk to about all of this. But again, this is probably not going to be for you if you're not interested in the show. But if you're intrigued, thank you for sticking with us. And we're going to talk to some great people. Uh, we're going to momentarily be joined by our friend Will Sterling. We're going to talk to my friend Zoe Fraud Blenar, who, in addition to being a faculty member at New York University's Interactive Telecommunications Program and NYU journalism. She's the co-founder and CCO of the crowdsourced toy company Squishable. She also has a great book called Super Fandom, How Our Obsessions Are Changing, What We Buy, and Who We Are. We're also going to speak to past Blackcast guest Shirley Hot, who is the owner and proprietor of The Pandorica, the Doctor Who-themed restaurant in Beacon, New York. And we'll talk to our friend Rafe Gutman, also known in his civilian life as Mark Hunt. But we now bring into the conversation the one, the only, Will Sterling on Twitter at Will Sterling underscore, host yep. of the Motivation Report. Just arrived in my TARDIS. Y you did, but yeah. we didn't we didn't hear the sound effect. Maybe I'll put the sound effect in you beforehand. Should. I can't do it with my mouth. I, I don't know that anyone can make that noise. Probably the dude from Police Academy. Oh, Michael Winslow? Yeah. Yeah, he probably he could, could probably actually. Do it. All right. Well, there you go. I'll, I'll see if I can get him on the show. <laughs> we just want you to do the TARDIS noise. You don't want me to do all the noise from Spaceballs? Nope. 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 No, no. So, uh, obviously, as the Blackcast resident feminist and yeah. the OG Doctor Who fan on the Blackcast, yeah, they're, technically, they're, you know, in fact, if you were to go back to listen to early episodes, uh -huh. uh, you would have been uh, summarily chided for by giving, everyone. Yeah, by literally by everyone. Was it? What, did did Coltrane get into it before you did? I uh, think possibly. He did. I think he did. And then Jeffrey yeah. and, and then Bujenski never did, and he never never will. will. Although Bujenski went to the uh, 50th anniversary. Oh, that's uh, right. He day did. The Doctor with us. He did. And I think. I think he was there for the last like 20 minutes of it. Yeah. Because he went he to the late. yard house and drank instead. Well, because it was like a pseudo combo birthday thing for yeah. me, I think. It yeah. was indeed. Yeah. yeah. That's the only reason he came. Yeah. Uh, so, as the uh, Black Cast resident feminist, yeah. OG Doctor Who fan, I felt like this conversation could not happen without you here. So, thank you for uh, giving us some of your time. Mm -hmm. So, when you heard the reveal of Jodie Whittaker as the 13th Doctor, and some people are quick to point out, well, actually, it's the 15th because 10 regenerated once as himself. And oh. there was the war doctor. And I'm like, just, just stop. Stop. stop please. Keep the original numbering. Just, just stick with it. Because they're it's, not going to. If the show doesn't change it, yeah. you shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I've seen that online. So it's just, well, technically, it's the 15th. Yeah. I'm like, just, no. just stop. Nope. When you found out what you thought, and as you've had time to ruminate upon it, tell mm -hmm. us what you thought. I'm more excited as I've thought over it. Like, at first, you sent me the video, and you were like, I sent it without comment, just to see. Just in case you hadn't seen it. Yet, I hadn't, I, you and hadn't I hadn't, seen hadn't it. no. Because I was going to put a snarky little comment about somebody we know, <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? If he doesn't know, that's going to kind of yeah. ruin it. No, and so I, as soon as I saw her walking, I was like, oh, it's totally a girl. And they spent a lot of time this season... 
they spent a lot of time the past couple seasons with Missy as the master, opening up the possibility of it being a woman. And then like two seasons ago, there was a male, a white male Time Lord who regenerated into a black woman. Correct. And then the doctor was talking with Bill about this season, like they, they're not confined by gender and things like that. So I was like, it's totally going to be a girl. Yeah, the, um, they're, they're definitely setting it up in a way where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's clearly... Well, and they spent a lot of time doing it, so it wasn't one of those things... Where I could understand... I mean, I can't understand the outrage, but I, I could understand a little bit of like, what if they had done none of that? And it was like, oh, it's a girl now. And people would just be like, I don't wait. But if you were paying attention, yeah. you weren't surprised. And there were a few comments towards the end of the season. Actually, in the season finale, there, in addition to what you were talking about, there's sort of a moment where something about female and mm-hmm. Capaldi yeah. says, we should be so lucky, basically. I right. don't think that's a direct quote, but that's essentially what he said. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, they're definitely uh, getting us ready totally. for that. From a business standpoint, when I was convinced that it was going to be a woman was when they renewed the show for five years. Because When did they do that? Just they recently? did that within the last few months. Wow, I didn't yeah, know it was five because years. Because I think Chibinal didn't want to come over to take over the show three seasons and if having the female doctor doesn't work you don't want to be the guy that ran the show into the ground because you did that you know you want to get some time to explore that character and if it doesn't work then you can go back to some white guy i think like the guy who played dirk gently on bbc america would be a perfect doctor (laughs) he's a very safe he's a very funny guy i like that guy he'd be a very safe doctor yes yeah i think but the thing is is that chris Tribunal, is that how you say it? I think that's how you say it. Who ran Broadchurch, which is a, tri- a fabulous show. Uh, and Jody Whitaker was in that show uh, all three seasons and did a really, really good job. So they have a working relationship already. Uh, and I think that that's nice. I think that that was something that, even though Matt Smith and Stephen Moffat didn't really know each other going into the show, like that pairing worked so well because they vibed with each other. I think Capaldi was a great doctor, but he was never Stephen Moffat's doctor. And I still feel so bad for him that he did such a good job with garbage. Uh, work. There were still some great episodes throughout his run. It wasn't like a waste. Yeah. But I, I feel like it could have been so much better. I, I, I don't agree with it being garbage, but I think there were garbage episodes. There was plenty I of think garbage episodes. For the most part, he was able to sort of rise above some yeah. of the the quality yes. of work that and was it, turned in. You know, it was not a, a Colin Baker or a Sylvester McCoy level run, but um, so, I, you know, but I also think BBC was very involved in the decision to make it a woman. It was probably not just Chris Chibnall, but them as well. And I think it's a good, I think it's a great idea. Like, why not? Doctor Who's all about change. It's always been about change. It's been about change since William Hartnell was too old and they wanted to fire him, but this show was so popular. They're like, oh, let's just Make let's him just, change. Let's just put a, a, a weird guy with a beetle yeah, haircut and a recorder. Let's right. just throw him in there. So why shouldn't it be a woman? I think so. And I remember Peter Davison was saying, like, he didn't agree with it. This is a couple of years ago when people wanted it to be a woman before it was Capaldi. And he said, I, I disagree. I just always thought he was a male Time Lord. And I think a lot of people thought that. But then recently they just decided to be like, no, it's not. And they changed it. Yeah. And they were like, no, you can regenerate and into a woman. we didn't even reference the sort of more fun conversation, the back and forth mm-hmm. about the Doctor and Missy not remembering when one was a boy or a girl right. in the past. You know, right. just sort of like really heightening the idea. It's like, it's all very fluid. You yeah. Know? yeah. I, I think that where Peter Davison comes from makes absolute sense. Uh, that totally. You would just think that, no, this one happens to, he was a to guy. be a male. Yeah. 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 I get that. But I think that it's great. It's 2017. We're past all that stuff. And the doctor, especially that final little speech in the season finale about doing what's right. And even if it doesn't work and all those things, which is a really, really good moment. Um, that's what Doctor Who is all about, is about change and is about embracing change. I mean, he sees all these weird... I made kind of a long Facebook post about it, but it's like, it's this show about this guy 
or now this gender fluid person yeah. who travels through space and time and encounters really weird fucking looking aliens and always approaches them with fascination and a desire to help. And it doesn't matter if they're blue space whales or whatever it is, he's always on their side. And the fact that it re- he re- regenerates into a woman and people are like, oh, I'm done with this show, not anymore. It's like, then you miss the entire essence of what makes Doctor Who Doctor Who, which is like change is constant and necessary and good and you should get on board because that's what the Doctor does. Yeah, and I think that anybody who watches it gives it a chance and is like, I just don't feel like I like the show right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's perfectly their choice, but it's just like, well, this is going to be a woman. Mm-hmm. I can't even possibly watch it. I yeah. do think that some people will not watch it, but I think even some people are saying this, like, a little curious. Well, I'll check it out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and see what they think about it. But the thing uh, I'm most like worried about is is Bill done as a companion? Did she get one and done yeah. one season? I think she got one one and done. Why? Because it was it was not enough time. It was Moffat's. For her. There's, God, there's a, that's the worst thing about being a time traveler. There's never but, enough time. No, Peter Davison said that in an episode I watched recently. <laughs> he said that's the worst thing about being a time traveler. There's never enough time I to know. get everything done. But it's like with Moffat in the Capaldi run, there's just so many things that came and went that I felt like Clara was not well handled and Bill only had one season and Capaldi was not perfectly handled. Like I was just like, ah, stop. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think that, you know you need to do the you need to do the clean slate. I you know I, what I, mean? I agree. It's, I agree. It's a bummer that she's gone, but I'm glad that it's clean slate because that's what was so good about Matt Smith and Karen Gillan. Right. Everyone was new. Yes. Showrunner, Doctor, companions. New Tardis. New Tardis. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know if we're gonna get that, but we'll see. It'll be fun. When I saw the video, I was like, Will Will's gonna be not just fine with this mm-hmm. because you're going to be like, oh, that's interesting. I think not only is it about time not the pun that I used earlier, but it's like, yes, it's been 54 years. Why not just take a gamble? Right. I think if you cast a woman as James Bond, I would feel like, well, that should probably be a different a character. Different. That yeah. should be like a Jane Bond. But this is this, you know, futuristic space alien yeah, who can take many forms. You know, right. You know, I mean, the master was a plant at one point. <laughs> I remember it very well. Yeah. Because I think a lot the, of the first shit. classic episode I ever saw with the master, I'm like, wait, he's a He's a plant? Yeah, and, and then like, he was like a weird spirit essence, yeah. and then he was like a wrinkly and then, thing. And, and worst of all, he was Eric Roberts. Tom Baker. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you know, So that just shows you can be anything But he in was the like universe. a snake before he entered yeah, that's Eric true. Roberts. You're right. He was a snake. So look, if they did Snake Doctor was the next one, I'd be like, yeah, that's pretty stupid. It's not as good as Frog 4. No. But Snake Doctor, I would see people being upset. But So that's sort of my point. It's like casting a woman to play James Bond yes. is, well, it's not the same thing. No. And I would understand people people being upset it's like that should be a different character and you know how i feel about that because comic books do it all the time where i'm like please don't take wally west and repurpose him and make him your black character create an original character but you're dealing with a pre-existing person who is male and or female so the doctor because he's always changing i keep saying he now we get to have this joy in the conversation say she um or this gender fluid time traveler is always changing so it's like yeah you should do it you should absolutely do it yeah and i think that even if this were maybe an actor that people didn't know that well weren't excited about Mm -hmm. hadn't worked with chivanel before on Broadchurch, as you mentioned yeah it would still be like well even if somebody saw this actress and was like you know what i don't like her Mm -hmm. but what you could embrace is the idea of like oh it's different yeah. You know, you've had these 12 men play this character yeah. and, you know, uh, 14 Christian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, why not just see what that's like? It sort of freshens up the story, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And very cynically, though, I think that it, it's a lot less about PC culture than it is about money. 
and yeah. ratings and merchandising and all that because yeah. it's you know the show doesn't do as well in the UK as it did you know a few years ago. Yeah, you see those ratings come in, mm-hmm. and they're like, all right, well, you feel pretty confident that you're going to have the majority of your base, which of course includes women, right? But you're going to bring in a whole bunch of new women who would never have watched it Absolutely. before, yeah. and they're interested in this. And with a clean slate, they don't have to spend a lot of time being like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's sort of our friend Jeff, Captain EO. He was having trouble getting into the show, and yeah. uh, his girlfriend, Agent Romanoff, Natasha, pointed out, just start with Matt Smith, yeah. and then you can go back if you like it. Right. And that's what he did, and he, yeah. he was much happier that way. See, it's funny, because I had this conversation about Doctor Who, and there's a, a friend of mine who, she's never seen it, and I was... And a lot of my friends, my whole group of friends, like, start with these episodes, do these episodes. And I would actually always start with the Matt Smith first episode. It might not be the best example, but, but it is a, a clean it, slate start. It's a great clean Everyone's slate. Everyone's like, start with Don't Blink, start with this. And I'm like, those are all amazing episodes that you could do second. But the show, it's so hard to jump in the middle of something and be like, yeah. I mean, it's good. The writing's good. The acting's good. But I, there's still a part of me that doesn't understand what's And you happening. don't want to start with Tennant's first episode because it's a no, Christmas episode and, and Rose sleeps, is already there. He sleeps through almost the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. It's like, boy, he's really tired. Right. The doctor. And I actually, as much as I like Eccleston in retrospect and going back, those episodes are much more fun watching them again, but it's hard, fucking hard to get into those episodes <laughs> if you've never seen I still believe that. Yeah. I mean, it took me until The the Empty Child or whatever to be like, oh, the show's cool. It, it's it's a little rough. Yeah. It, so it, Matt Smith is the accessible doctor. Yeah. And, and I Jody think Whittaker for a lot of people, uh, Jodie Whittaker will be. Yeah. I don't know know that uh, the Capaldi start is a great starting place for no, people. No, and he's so angry in the beginning, and he becomes... And he's, he's a little too jokey, yeah. you know, like about his, like, kidneys, and right. why do I sound so English, and right. why am I not Scottish, you know, and it's yeah. just, it, it was it was all the stuff that Jeff didn't like when he watched, <laughs> he's like, he turned into this guy? I'm right. like, well, just keep watching. Yeah, the, This is definitely semi- intended as a pun, but the show about so many things is about the future. Mm-hmm. And the idea that this is going to be a woman is just, it's just interesting. It opens you up to a lot more storytelling. Right. And I think it'll be exciting to see where it goes. Totally. And I would have checked out whoever the new doctor was, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But it's just, it's just like, oh, it's, you're excited in a different way. And I know plenty of people are disappointed. The, the weird part of the conversation, though, is that Oh, of course it's a white woman. I'm like, oh, is that happening? You know what? Yeah, oh, that's of course a, it's to a smaller happening. extent. And it's just yeah. like, you know, just just be happy that that you know, it's all about baby steps. Right. You know, if if you want a, a trans person, you want a minority woman, it, it can all come in time. Sure. But just be glad. And, and again, yeah. using the word time, not intended as a pun. But just be glad that this is what happened this time. Right. And because it could very easily have been a man in the woods who took down his hood. Yeah. You know, and then that would have been three more years of that. It's funny because a lot of people say the same thing. There's been, and obviously I'm saying this as a straight white male. So there's a degree to which when I say I'm the black cast resident feminist, I can only speak from my perspective. But it's like the same people who women, some women who are very much more in the extreme who criticize Wonder Woman because she looks very white and they sexualize her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people that part of feminism is embracing sexuality as part of what it is and not hiding from it, but not over-sexualizing it. So Wonder Woman had that. I was like, yes, yeah, she's attractive. She looks great. They play that up, but they don't play it up so much. And she's looks white, I guess, but she's Israeli. So like, I don't, sorry, you know what I mean? And I yeah. don't know how to change that. And so with Jodie Whittaker, yeah, it's like, just, I don't know. But yeah, baby steps, right? We're getting something. Yeah. You can have... You know that, we that want haircut, as much change as we can get. Oddly but. enough, with that haircut, she kind of looks like Peter Davison. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Maybe she's going to wear the cricket outfit. 
Now, we don't we, know. Does she have like a, like a carrot stick instead of a celery stalk? Yeah, just to be a little different. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. Joining the conversation now is my friend Zoe Fraud-Blenar, who, in addition to being a faculty member of New York University's Interactive Telecommunications Program and NYU Journalism, she's also co-founder and CCO of Squishable. And she wrote a great book, Super Fandom, How Our Obsessions Are Changing, What We Buy, and Who We Are, which, Zoe, I'll put you on the spot, and we need to devote an entire episode of The Black Cast to talking about (laughs) at some point. But we have to carve out so much time because there's so much in the book that this time I wanted to have sort of a little bit more of a brief conversation about Doctor Who. Zoe, thank you so much for joining us, for returning to The Black Cast. It's been far too long. It has been far too long. I am very happy to be here. Also, I would assume you're happy to be talking about Doctor Who, which is one of the very many fandoms that you keep a close eye on for basically for work, but also in your private life as well, just for recreation, right? It's true. I mean, Doctor Who is kind of one of those universals. Everyone everyone loves Doctor Who. Well, some people take a lot of convincing to actually sit down and watch it, myself uh, being the person I'm talking about. and took quite. I, I was convinced I knew better than everyone who told me to watch it, but... But, uh, you know, that that was a few years ago now, you know, and I'm I'm in on it now. So I want to get your thoughts when you found out that the next doctor would be played by a woman, Jodie Whittaker, what you thought when you heard and what you've thought about it as you've had a few days to kind of ruminate on this announcement. Well, I think my response is probably what most people's response was, which was, well, you know, obviously. I think that uh, a lot of people have been expecting it. In fact, I think a lot of people were surprised that last time that it ended up being Capaldi, and, and it wasn't female. So, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things about this just being expected for so long is it's almost a bit of an anticlimax. Everyone kind of shrugs and says, well, okay, I guess so, let's do this. I think that there were a lot of people who expected it, and I think that you sort of have one segment of any kind of fandom that feels this way, and it just depends on how large it is, who were kind of relieved last time it was another male, but, you know, I don't know how much older they'd be able to get than Capaldi and William Hartnell at this point, you know, I feel like he couldn't possibly have gotten much (laughs) older, so this seemed like the perfect time to have the Doctor regenerate as a woman, but... If we can, let's talk a little bit about why you think, as somebody who spends so much time studying fandom and why people get so passionate, why the relatively small but still quite vocal segment of the population who was upset that it was a woman said that they're never going to watch the show again, they can't believe they would do this, all those things. Why do you think it comes down to that? I mean, sure, some people are sexist, but I think that there it's a lot deeper than that. Well, first of all, I mean, it's a very small group of people. This is important to keep in mind. It's it's definitely less, and there's, there's a bunch of news media that's jumped on, oh, look at these horrible, sexist, awful, bigot, you know, Doctor Who fans. Doctor Who actually probably has a, not hugely smaller, but at least slightly smaller contingent like that, just because it is a show that people are used to change. It, it has to have change in it. You know, it's, it's, they're going to swap out the actors. It's going to happen. That, in, in a way, it softens the blow, you know, because everyone knows, look, you don't like this doctor. Another one comes along in a couple of years. It, it has less of the, the, the same kind of impact, you know, than it would if you were replacing Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that, something that might be permanent. In one sense, 
the population itself is kind of prepared for it. You know, it's not as big of a group of people who are actually saying these awful things as maybe some of the some of the news media has made it out to be. Yeah, no, I think it is a very small segment. What I do think is that it happens to be a fairly loud small segment, as with <laughs> so many small segments of population tend to be. They do tend to be the loudest, don't they? You know, so I think that that's why people latched onto it. But I started having this conversation on a friend's Facebook page because I had someone who couldn't imagine why anyone would feel that way. And I think that it really just comes down to some people don't like any kind of change. There are people that get very upset when the doctor has changed into a different man. They're just like, well, I don't, I don't like him. I very infamously will get a uh, Facebook reminder of a post that I had when uh, Peter Capaldi was uh, announced. I'm like, oh, I don't think I like that guy. He he looks mean, you know? I don't know if I like <laughs> the old guy. And I certifiably will say that I was definitely wrong because I will say that he is definitely my favorite and I really liked him. The difference there being I was willing to still give it a try. I think that you have, again, that small segment who's like, well, this is different. I don't want to see this. Obviously, you get some recastings of actors. And I think if you cast a woman as James Bond, then that becomes, well, that's not James Bond anymore. That's Jane Bond or Janet Bond or Teresa Bond, if you don't want to try and be clever with the alliteration. And I can see what you're saying, though, that this is something where you expect this sort of change. And let's be honest, there have been some very awesome, tough, kick-ass female characters in this iteration, the reboot of Doctor Who, but also from the classic episodes as well. So definitely that concept of change is hard. I mean, that's always going to be true. I remember when Tennant took over from Eccleston. I mean, I cried. I, I literally cried and, and vice versa, of course, because I, I immediately fell in love with Tennant and, and he became my favorite doctor. So I cried again when he left. So well, the interesting thing too there, about, there about Eccleston was that the show just came back and you only had one season with him. You know, it's almost like I didn't really get to know you. And I, I know you didn't finished the most recent season, but you probably have the indication that the Doctor's companion, Bill, is not going to continue on with the new Doctor. And that's sort of the same feeling. I was talking with my friend Will just earlier in the episode that we didn't really get to know Bill because she was only on for one season. But that was just a companion. I mean, this was a Doctor that you really didn't get to know. He's like, he had such a cool leather jacket. <laughs> well, again, you know, change is really hard for a lot of people. Um, and it's true that Doctor Who is better at this. It's also true that they did pave the way for the fact that this was going to be a female doctor with the whole Missy sort of situation, the fact that they had the master who then became Missy, so people were kind of prepared for the idea, oh, we're going to do this now. That also kind of helped soften the blow for people who it was going to be very jarring for. Yeah. But also, there is just a set of people who, anytime something has changed, they get very, very angry, because when people take... Uh, a fan object like this and they bring it in and they make it part of their self-image and, and their self-identity, especially if it's part of their identity, which is, you know, wrapped up in perhaps their sexuality or their uh, concepts of, of growing up and adulthood. You can get a, a real feeling of betrayal if those concepts are changed. For example, if you're, you know, have a crush on the doctor all of a sudden, it's a gender that you don't feel particularly attracted to. Now you feel betrayed and vice versa. So uh, if you're certainly used to thinking of the doctor as a role model for a manly man who does action-y, you know, crazy things, having to think of a doctor as also someone who 
isn't exactly like you uh, and perhaps has more feminine qualities occasionally, that could feel very threatening. And that's certainly, you know, an easy easy way to understand, especially someone who has used it as a way to get through, say, puberty uh, or early adulthood, um, you know, these times when, when sexuality is very confusing and overwhelming, that it could feel uh, almost like a, uh, a betrayal to suddenly have to relate to this character in a different way, maybe a way that, that seems scary that they're still not entirely certain of. Yeah, and I think on one hand you do have, and again it's the small, overly vocal minority, but you have people that were upset because it's like, oh, this again? Because the two most recent Star Wars movies had lead women in it. And, you know, the the new Star Trek is not going to have a, a white male as the captain of the ship. And I'm like, well, we've already had that happen a couple of times before. That's not even new. But I guess that white men are probably in the minority still very loud when they're upset about, hey, we're all the white men. And by the way, still plenty of white men around in all of these different fandoms, you know? Who's to say that the doctor, the female doctor's companion isn't going to be a man? I feel like that dynamic would actually be very interesting to see. But plenty of menly men in in both Star Wars <laughs> universes. And I guess maybe it's because I am a, a white male, I have so many white male friends, and I will hear some of, just more rumblings of this. I don't hear the, the most, you know, vehemently upset people, but you just see these little rumblings and that I guess that that sort of fueled this. It's like, oh, this is another thing that is going to have a, a woman in the lead. But of course, the other side to look at that is this has to be very exciting for young girls. You know, there was a, a viral video of a, a mother who filmed her daughter watching the video where they revealed it. And she was so excited that it was a girl at the end. And th look, this this show wasn't on when, when you were a young girl. And it was, of course, way out on the fringes before that, you know. But if if there was sort of this show that you'd heard about, just say when you were, I don't know, 13, 14, and then, oh, when it comes back, it's going to be a girl, that probably would have been very exciting. You know, the idea of like, oh, I wasn't necessarily interested in that before, but now I would kind of like to see what they're doing. You know, I want to see if this is a tough woman. Well, there is uh, a logic fallacy, you know, one of the, the list of different ways of bending or changing the truth. I forget the actual name of the specific fallacy, but it has to do with concentrating just on the outliers and then pointing to them and using them as as the standard. Uh, so while it's true that there have been, say, maybe half a dozen media franchises which have decided to include single characters <laughs> lately yeah. in uh, big roles of, of women or minority status, of course, in order to really be uh, logically rigorous, we would then have to go and count up every single role available in every single piece of media of which, say, if there are a thousand roles, and now we have six of them going to females that were not before. There are still another, you know, 990, whatever, whatever, uh, roles going to, to white males. So I think perhaps what we're seeing a little bit more is, uh, I'm, I'm, again, I'm sure there's a better term for it in Judaism. It's called the, the wall around the Torah, which is to say when you're afraid that something might be a, a rule, might be violated you kind of add extra rules on top of it just to make sure you never get anywhere close to it. So without kind of wading into the, the morass of, uh, you know, discussion about privilege, perhaps a lot of that outrage that we're hearing is people who are not so much afraid that those 900 
and 94 uh, other roles might immediately go to women and there won't be a single white male being portrayed in the media anymore. It's more of a wall around the Torah situation. It's that, oh God, there's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of roles that are going to people who don't look like me. What if it grows? But also, I mean, I think we should all realize that the the world, no matter what you look like, well, the world doesn't only look like you. And I think it's interesting. And look, if you even just keep it to Doctor Who, well, you've had 12 actors who were all white men. So why not do something different? Just from a storytelling standpoint, it's going to be interesting because it's different is what is something that I said earlier. Look, people will watch it and they will probably be like, you know, maybe I don't like her. Maybe I'd like a different woman. Uh, I'm not as excited about the show as I was, which is perfectly in anybody's purview to watch any of these kind of things. And like, I don't like this as much, but it's cyclical. Maybe you'll like the next doctor or you can always go back and watch you know hundreds and hundreds of episodes with the previous ones but the idea of that's different i don't want to watch that as again a small minority but you're just it's so hard to wrap your head around i guess or at least it was for me i think it can be very hard absolutely and not all of that is the fact that it's female i mean on one hand uh you know if we really wanted to be fair probably the next 12 doctors would have to be female, and then we'd be exactly 50-50, and that would actually be, you know, numbers-wise at least, probably the most um, representative of the population. Having said that, even if they had announced a male right now, that would be difficult for people. Someone who they've watched for, for many, many episodes is leaving. That's hard. That's scary. The gender issue may end up being more of a scapegoat over the fact that something they care about is ending. There was uh, some buzz on the internet before the announcement that some actor that I'd never heard of, a British actor named Chris Marshall, might have been announced uh, and that's a male Chris Marshall, I realized as soon as I said the name, that's not entirely <laughs> Creel. And people were very upset. And I was like, well, people were already ready to be upset if it was this guy. And that was a guy. So, look, people are going to be upset no matter who it is. And I do think that some people who say that they will never watch again will at least check it out. And some of them might get one over because, like, oh, right, everything that I liked about the show is still the same except for that actor, but I've had to get used to other actors before. And I, I think you're right. You know, there's a, a comment, I think it might be in an episode you didn't see, but that Gallifreyans are much more evolved than humans when it comes to things like gender. It's clearly, you know, we're, we're just striving to be like them, I guess. We're a few <laughs> thousand years behind them. But one of the things that I want to talk about in terms of it being a female doctor is for young girls who, like I was sort of alluding to, haven't watched the show, and of course many women watch the show, many girls already watch the show, but there will be those who will be intrigued by it. But what I've thought about is young girls who will be born into a world will they'll never know the idea that the doctor can only be a man. To them, the idea the doctor can always be a woman, it can always be female, and I'm excited for that to be a role model for my daughter, who my wife is due on December 19th. So she will literally... Oh my goodness, I, I didn't know that. I know, I thought this would be a fun way to tell you on the podcast. <laughs> ah, I'm, I'm, I'm jazz handsing right now. You can't see, but, but we, got, we got jazz hands. I can hear them uh, over the phone. And so obviously <laughs> her name is probably going to have to be Doctor. You know, I mean, it just the timing was so weird because it was like, this is really the first week where I'm able to start telling people. And this announcement happened over the weekend and like oh clearly the women are taking over but i just it was very exciting to like have this announcement and the idea look 
kids don't always like what you want to show them, you know, the, the TV shows or whatever. But the idea that it's sort of a way in is like, well, you know, the, this show has, has a girl as a main character. And Felix, Felix can watch all the David Tennant that he wants, you know, but then you'll have Jodie Whittaker, uh, yet to be named girl. So it, it's sort of an exciting thing <laughs> about the future. I, I made some bad puns earlier in the episode that the show really is about the future, but literally it is. And it's exciting that we don't know what the future holds. And the idea that a female will be playing this role, the idea that my uh, soon to be born daughter will uh, get to be a part of that is kind of exciting for me. I think the the term, uh, at least in academia, is the privilege of being normal, which is, you know, something that we take for granted a lot. But the privilege of being able to think of yourself as the normal one and everyone else is different is very, very powerful. Because if you can think of yourself as normal, then you can just do whatever you want. Normal people get to get into the, the big blue box. So the the fact that going forward, at least no matter, you know, if she doesn't even last that long, at least sometimes people will be able to say, yeah, being female is, is normal in this universe. Um, that is potentially a very powerful thing. It's also a traditionally science fiction thing. It's something that science fiction has always done very, very well, fantasy as well, but less so. You know, back to Star Trek, this was the power of Star Trek when it first came out, and probably a large part of why it became so popular was this ability to show people with different genders, different races, um, not really a whole lot of different other things, but the fact that, that all these people just had normal jobs. We can't even imagine how not just inspiring, kind of awe-inspiring at the time, you know? She's working at a desk. My God, maybe I can work at a desk. It has a huge effect, and if it follows the Star Trek model, it would actually be an extremely lucrative one, which is, of course, what they're, what they're probably really counting on. Yeah, that was something that I uh, alluded to earlier and talked about earlier in the episode, is this idea that it opens the world up to a bunch of more merchandising opportunities, a new fan base to possibly buy things, and just the expensive cosplay officially licensed outfits alone. <laughs> like, that right there is a reason to do it. And, you know, look, that's the very cynical part of me that's like, well, look, it comes. <laughs> the money is definitely a big part of this. But it is sort of, it gets to be more inclusive. And, of course, yeah, Star Trek really broke the mold on that, which is crazy to think about also 50-plus years ago that these sort of things were happening at a time where it probably was very shocking to see not only uh, a, a black woman, but also an alien and a Japanese man, and of course a Russian, all on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. And as that franchise went on, they certainly evolved and had uh, you know a black captain and Captain Sisko, and uh, Captain Janeway was a woman. So. In a way, the nerd universe, as I affectionately call it, because, you know, obviously <laughs> to me, I'm a part of that. So I'm not saying it in a disparaging way. There have been these sort of changes before, uh, and there will be plenty of them again. But I, I look, I understand people get upset by these things. I just hope that they keep an open mind and don't let that initial reaction keep them from enjoying something that could be very good could be amazing and you know if it isn't then like you said it, it won't last that long if it's not good but if you tell good stories 
everybody will be on board for it, I think. Yeah, I think if people really have something to be afraid of, it's not necessarily the new doctor who is, when you get down to it, just another actor. I mean, the world has millions of the damn things. The real thing they should be worried about is the fact that, you know, Stephen Moffat's heading out, and we, in fact, will have an entire new guy at the helm. And it's interesting that the discussion about the doctor has overshadowed the thing that will actually probably affect whether or not people enjoy the show going forward or not. Yeah, uh, Chris Chibinal, who also created Broadchurch, which Jodie Whittaker was in the cast, so there's some familiarity and some comfort there. The interesting thing about uh, Chibinal is there's a, an old video uh, from, I think, 1986. They did sort of like a fan roundtable with some producers of Doctor Who, and he was a kid. I don't know, maybe he's in early 20s, or I don't even know how old he was. And he spoke out very passionately about how he thought that the show had gotten stupid at that point. So <laughs> this is a guy who's cared a lot about the show for a long time, and that's kind of what you want. You want people who are fans of the thing to make the thing. And I think that, to get it back to Star Trek, that was one of those things that people were upset about J.J. Abrams and Star Trek is that he admitted that he wasn't a fan. He'd always liked Star Wars, which clearly he liked Star Wars more because he dropped Star Trek and ran over to Star Wars as soon as there was an opportunity. But the idea that this is someone who's that much of a fan and really understands the show and appreciates the show is something that I think shouldn't be lost on potential viewers. I think that comic book movies got so much better when, who would have thought, that if you actually like the characters or have even read the comics, you don't even have to like the characters. As long as you know some of these stories and understand the characters, you're going to make a much better movie. You know, the, uh, the, the Tim Burton Superman that never got made is something we've talked about a few times on the black cast. And that was a very misguided project. It was clear that someone did not understand any part of what made Superman interesting to people. Sometimes I don't know if I understand, <laughs> but I don't try and make a movie about it. So you're right, though. That's really what's going to change the show for you know in a much more noticeable way than the casting of whoever the next whomever the next Doctor is. Although it's not called Doctor Whom, so I suppose I could have said <laughs> whoever. Wow, would that be grammatically correct? Would it be Doctor Whom? Just imagine how. I, I say go for it. Just. Just imagine just having to go back it. and put an M on everything that's been made in every episode from the last uh, 54 years. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I, well, anyway, I was glad to uh, get your insight on this. Uh, we're going to bring you back a little bit later in the episode and get your thoughts on the final episodes of Peter Capaldi's run. Although I understand you didn't see the season finale, but that's all right, because we can talk about it more in general terms. Uh, joining the conversation now is a past Black Cast guest, our friend Shirley Hot, who is the owner, proprietor, manager, everything behind the Pandorica, which is at 165 Main Street in Beacon, New York. You can find the website is thepandoricarestaurant.com, on Instagram, at thepandoricarestaurant, and Facebook, thepandorica, and on Twitter, at pandoricarestaurant, but no vowels, so pandorica, R-S-T-R-N-T. Shirley, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about Doctor Who here on the Blackcast. I'm very happy to be with you again. So before we dive into the topics at hand, I want to say happy anniversary to the Pandorica. You just had your third anniversary over there, right? We did, 7 7 17. 
7714. Yeah, I, it's been a little while since I've uh, made it back east because I have a now two-year-old son. So uh, all of a sudden, that trip becomes a lot more difficult to make from Los Angeles. But uh, any of the times I've been there, there'd always been a bunch of really nice people, you know, obviously working there, but also attending. Just talk a little bit briefly about the response to the restaurant now that you're in your third year. Some of the great stories about how far people have come just to make the trip to the Pandorica. Oh, my goodness. Well, as far as how far people have come, they, they don't necessarily come specifically to the United States for the Pandorica. But while they come to the United States and New York, obviously, they shoot up to the Pandorica. So we've had people from Australia, Iceland, Italy, Spain, Guatemala, Argentina. We've had people from all across the world, Germany, Switzerland, you name it, they've been here. <laughs> so Just because they've, they're vacationing in New York City and take the opportunity. We're only an hour away um, by train, so they take the opportunity of coming up and joining us here, which is awesome. Which is what I was going to mention. Yeah, I, I went to college in Poughkeepsie. I went to Marist College, so I was very familiar with that area. Uh, my mom lived there for a time, too, so I was very excited to find out that it happened. But I've had friends, I know people who've lived in New York City who have taken the train ride up. And, you know, Beacon, it's a beautiful little town right on the Hudson River. It has the museum, the Dia, and there's lots of great restaurants and shops. And it seems like it's a great thing to include in a, a weekend trip that even somebody who lives in New York City that doesn't have a car, it's very easy to be able to get up there, which is nice because a lot of times when people hear something is, I'm using air quotes, upstate, they'll never actually get to see it because it's too hard yeah, to get when, to. We're not technically that far upstate. Yeah. <laughs> They've opened up a few more hotels and B&Bs in the area to accommodate um all the tourism that comes to Beacon, we are a gigantic tourist destination, um, regardless of me, <laughs> uh, which is wonderful. That's how Beacon was on the map to begin with, and, and uh, now there's just, because of the Pandorica, just one more thing to see when you come up. Um, so we have Airbnbs and regular B&Bs and a hotel two doors down from us that just opened and tons and tons between the mountain and the river and all the boutiques and galleries and, like you said, the Deer Museum and us. It's definitely a weekend, plus first-class dining, you know, uh, in Beacon in general. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And and it's a lot of fun for people who are fans of Doctor Who or even you know even more casual fans. It's still it's still a fun place to visit and uh, meet up with friends. So I'm glad to hear that things are going well. And as I as I mentioned, the pandoricarestaurant.com at the pandorica restaurant on Instagram, the pandorica on Facebook, and pandorica restaurant with no vowels R S T R N T on Twitter. Uh, glad to hear that, and I hope I'm able to uh, make a trip back up there again before too long. But one of the things that I want to make sure to talk to you about is this announcement that the 13th Doctor would be played by a woman, and specifically by Jodie Whittaker, because I saw the Pandorica's Instagram page posted a reaction to it, and it was largely positive, but as reaction has been to kind of any sort of news, there were some people being negative about it. But on the whole, I would say people are very excited about this. Are you excited about the casting of Jodie Whittaker as the next Doctor? I am excited about, uh, about the new season coming up, um, and I have to admit, basically, because they have cast a female in the role, Jodie Whittaker, I am checking out some of her stuff. Uh, I did see her in Broadchurch. There's a couple of things I'm checking out on Netflix that she's in. 
I'm excited because, truthfully, I'm a big fan of the show, always been a big fan, always will be a big fan regardless. And uh, I was concerned because of the whole changeover between Moffat leaving, and everybody knows I, I'm one of the big Moffat supporters, not the naysayers. So I, I was a little upset with his leaving. Capaldi, whom I adore, leaving. Bill, who I fell in love with, leaving. I was just a, a, a little cautious about what the future was going to hold. And this has brought excitement into it. So I'm feeling very at least excited, not positive or negative, just excited. I want to see what happens. It's an adventure, and I want to go on it. Yeah, which is something that I've sort of been saying to people who maybe are a little bit trepidatious for I don't know what the show would be like as a woman, which obviously, look, it's going to be different, but that's exciting because different is certainly something that can be very exciting. And after 54 years, take a chance on something that's a little bit more different than in the past. It's not really that different. I mean, it's just another personality just because she's female or the doctor is female doesn't really make it that different. When the master went to Missy, the personality was very, very much the same. Do you not think? Yeah, no, I definitely I mean, think so. What One of my favorite things about Missy was how determined she was to try and kill Clara because of how upsetting that would be to the doctor, you know, when she was trapped, exactly. in, the, trapped in the Dalek armor. Yeah, and I thought that that was great because that was a distinct personality, but you were like, well, that's very consistent with the way that the Master would behave. And exactly. I, I feel like you'll get the same thing with the doctor. And, I do too. Yeah. On a personal level, there's uh, something that I, I mentioned a few minutes ago on the podcast Podcast, but it's exciting for me because uh, my wife is currently expecting our second child and it's going to be a daughter. So my daughter's going to grow up in a world where the doctor can always be female. And I just sort of like that from that different point of view than I would have had if this was were a year ago. You know, I would have it's been empowering. Yeah, I would have been excited for all little girls, you know, all the way up through women, anyone of any gender. But it's just, there's like a personal thing that's like exciting. Like maybe, maybe my son would like one of, you know, maybe he'll like Matt Smith or maybe he'll like Peter Davison. Maybe he'll go old school, you know? And, Uh uh, but the idea that my daughter would be able to see, well, I like that the doctor can be a woman. And that just opens the door to so many other opportunities. And and it's, it's extra relatable. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. As a leader, rather than a companion follower you know it, it was interesting though because as i mentioned your instagram page was one of the first places that i was kind of engaging with people about it and i i don't think that the people who were opposed to it were saying anything crass or anything like that but it is the same thing that you can see if you look around on twitter there are um, people yeah. who are like i don't i, do, I don't want to watch that and I, I just find that hard to believe. It's like if you've I enjoyed... I don't understand that yeah. uh, negativity before you even know what's going yeah, on, it, that you're dismissing it out of hand. It, that is so unhoovian. Yeah, if if you watch it and you give it a chance of a few episodes and you're like, I, I just don't know how I feel about it, that's that's a completely different reaction. But the, it's a woman? No, 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 I can't do this. It, 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 yeah, how, how can they spoil the show this way? How can they bend to political... <laughs> ideas and now it's all it's like that's absurd yeah and and it just happens to be the right time and 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 i don't think there was anything more than we want to make a fresh start we want to make it exciting we want to do something new and different and this fit that whole format 
Yeah, people who really understood the show weren't really shocked. Just no. some of them might have had actors that they were uh, maybe pulling for. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a completely different reaction. But anyway, I, I was glad to see that it is mostly positive. And it's, yeah, here's the best part about it, because even people that are reacting differently, it's a conversation about this show on a on a fairly wide level. I mean, this this conversation was trending on Twitter, which I know Twitter's not really your thing, but it was like people were talking about it on Twitter. And this was the day. This was the same day that Game of Thrones had its season premiere, and people were talking more about Doctor Who, at least at one point in the day. And I was just like, see, that's that's the kind of publicity you can't buy, you know. So it, it's great that it opens a dialogue, and I feel like a lot of people who think that maybe they don't want to check it out still will and they'll be pleasantly surprised. I hope so. A lot of people were hoping for Chris Marshall to be the doctor and rumor has it that, well, they're not going to be too disappointed because he may be the companion. Yeah, I read that and that was another interesting thing too because there was some murmur that people weren't excited at the idea that he was going to be the doctor and now the idea that he might be a companion is is exciting because I feel like a female doctor ought to have at least one male companion, maybe just to start, and then you see how you go. I don't know much about uh, Chris Marshall. I guess he he's on some well-known uh, BBC show or somewhere in the UK, right? Mm-hmm. He was also in Love, actually. I mean, oh. he, he is uh, movie and uh, TV. You know what? It's funny. Now that you mention that, I, I remember I saw a picture when people were talking about it. I do remember who he is. So I think uh, I think that's more reasons to be excited, though. You know, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I think that they're not going to steer Doctor Who wrong. Th- this is something that's been on for so long, and they've had plenty of practice uh, at writing and doing this. I don't think they're going to go in a direction that would be contrary to the uh, theme of the show. Uh, it, just, I, it just blows me away how negative some people are. I think that um, Jodie Whittaker hopefully will be a good choice. She's worked with Chibnall before in Broadchurch, so he knows how to write for her, which is another plus. And in addition to that, obviously, Chibnall is a huge fan of the show. Uh, I, exactly. I, this is someone who's very determined to do right by the show, that's a fan Absolutely. of the show. Well, and I mean, he was under Moffat's wing a little bit. I mean, he wrote three or four episodes for the new Who. He also did Torchwood, so he's been in the universe, you know, actively doing stuff, so... Yeah. He's not going to stare it wrong. No, I think I think it's all the more reason uh, to be excited. And we move the conversation along to our pal Rafe Gutman, Mark Hunt on Twitter at Mark Coin C O Y N E Hunt, the host of Podcast of the Apes. Mark, welcome back to the Blackcast. Thank you very much. So, obviously, we just had you on recently, but uh, the end of a season, the end of a doctor, the new doctor, we felt like we had to have you back on the show. So, let's start off with getting your reaction to, first, the announcement when you saw it, and as if you had a few days to think about, the announcement that the next doctor would be played by a woman, Jodie Whittaker. I, I pretty much figured it was coming. I knew it was coming, that we were getting a female doctor. They pretty much telegraphed that one pretty obviously. I don't care what anybody says. Make no mistake. It was a purely a politically correct decision. They were they were looking out. They bowed to pressure. And it's like, all right, let's just give them what they want. Let's let's 
let's throw a woman in there. Let's get a female doctor. Um, I I think that there was some of that pressure, and I think that there probably is a degree of politically correct consideration somewhere in there. But as I've said already in this episode, I think some of it is indeed motivated more by money in terms of let's have like a pink sonic screwdriver that girls can buy. And I don't think that that's actually something that'll happen on the show, but I do think executives talk that way, you know? And I Mm -hmm. think that that added to the momentum and it was something that people felt was a long time coming, but I do think whatever it was motivated by, I think that there were a lot of factors. I do think that there was pressure. And as I said earlier with agent Starling, when they announced that they renewed the show for five years, that told me that Chris Chibnall was like, hey, I don't want to be the guy who ran this show into the ground just because right. I had a female doctor. So it's a little bit of a safety net that you'll get to tell some good stories with this doctor. And if it doesn't work, you still also get the chance to go back to maybe the more traditional, at least a male doctor, maybe not a white male doctor. But they're willing to give him a little bit of a safety net in case it doesn't work out, which obviously there must have been some real concerns about. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, in fact, he, from what I've heard, he really wanted Peter DeCapaldi to kind of buffer him in a season to stay on one more year so he could have that transition. But Capaldi was pretty, pretty adamant. He's like, no, no, I'm ready to move on. So he, he was like, all right. Well, let's go. We got to do it. We got to do it. They cast the first female doctor. And so, which honestly, for me, I mean, if you look back at the history of Doctor Who, the doctor went through in his entire natural life, completely male. The master went through all his natural regenerations, completely male. Multiple characters throughout the history. Baruso, um, the character called Morbius. We saw all his previous incarnations, all male. But with that being said, honestly, I'm all right with this. If they, if it's written correctly, by correctly, my way. No, but they, by correctly, and this is something I, I just said a few minutes ago, is if you tell good stories, it's not going to matter who... Or what gender the doctor is. If you put no. interesting scenarios where this entity, this character comes in and tries to solve problems and you know do what the doctor does, it, it shouldn't matter. No, and, it, and if, in fact, if they explain it in a way that I can buy, like, it's not a common thing for them to switch genders, but it can happen. I mean, it's like, like a woman who gets pregnant. She can have a baby, have another baby, and then boom, go to the doctor and like, oh, by the way, you're having triplets. It's not an everyday thing, but it happens. And no, sometimes lords could it, go through their entire lives <laughs> not not ever switching gender, and then maybe boom, it happens once. Um, maybe some there's a few time lords that switch every other gender. It's yeah, it's no big deal. No, I think I, in it, fact, it'll be interesting, and I think that in the recent seasons really the last couple seasons we've literally seen it happen a few times with missy and the one gallifreyan time lord that we saw Uh from a black woman so it's sort of been kind of like what they call in the restaurant business a soft opening kind of getting you ready for the idea Mm -hmm. that it was going to happen and it, it ultimately will come down to you telling good stories if you're not then people will tune out yeah and honestly i actually had more of a problem a few years ago when they announced that oh in the 50th anniversary we're going to meet a doctor who was actually this doctor we we never knew about he was in between eight and nine and he's a doctor we never i'm like what the hell i was actually more continuity wise more upset about that but then john hurt came along i think he's fine he's he did a, a series of audio adventures that i loved so I came around on him. I think it, 
thirteenth doctor is not going to be not going to be that big a deal at all. No, and obviously in the case of the war doctor, as they call him, that was just out of necessity because uh, Christopher Eccleston was not interested in playing his role because clearly that's who that would have been it would have been those three doctors well, they could have what they should have done and they, again they wouldn't have is say oh the eighth doctor was the doctor that's who everybody assumed was fought in the time war in fact he did for a while yeah as, and, as we saw um, in the why in the they short... couldn't bring paul mcgann into it well, it still baffles me now but... now you're speaking agent starling's language why paul mcgann <laughs> wasn't in day of the doctor but he did get the night of the doctor so that was good i think that and i was talking to my friend zoe a little while ago and i think that for the most part people who watch this show are used to the idea of change sometimes people haven't liked past doctors and it had nothing to do with gender and people might like this one because has nothing to do with gender. You know, there's a lot of reasons to not like a character. So it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that, uh, you know, I, I think it would be very upsetting to hear that <laughs> you, of all people, were like, oh, you know, this show that I've spent so much of my life a fan of, yeah, I couldn't possibly consider watching a, a female no, doctor, which is not no, something no. that I expected from you. But you're exactly no, the kind of person that I wanted to check in and see, like, you know, you've spent so much time with these characters. Uh, I wanted to see how if you were upset, so it's a relief to hear you're not. If they, I, and as long as she plays, and Jodie Whittaker, I love on Broadchurch. She is an amazing actress, and as long as she plays it like the Doctor, um, I mean the, the guy. He, I mean the guy, and I'll say it: male Time Lord spent over a thousand years as a man. He's not used to being a female. I mean, he in his mind, he's literally a man trapped in a woman's body. Yeah, which I think is is interesting. As long as she plays it like the Doctor. And they don't get too political with it. And on the show, people out, out in the real world, it's it's. I, I go on Facebook and it just drives me up the wall. I, if, whether the people who are adamantly like Doctor Who is dead or the other people like, oh, this is a stand up for women's rights and she is going to be our champion. Both sides drive me up the wall. Yeah, well, and, and I've said this several times throughout the episode, the idea that people wouldn't even watch an episode or a handful to see how this plays out is like, if you do like the show, then check it out. And if you've never seen it and you're intrigued by the fact that it's a woman, well, great, welcome to the fold. Maybe if you like it, you'll go back and watch some of what came before or whatever. I, I think that, you know, and my friend Zoe did point out that it is a small minority, but it, as always, it was a very vocal minority who mm -hmm. was making these points. So it was very easy to focus on. But uh, yeah, I think it'll it'll be exciting. You know, it's it's still a ways off. What I want to now shift over the course of the episode, and we'll sort of bring back in all of our friends from earlier in the conversation, is I want to talk about this final season that uh, Peter Capaldi got. Just sort of, mm. a, you and I spoke after about the third episode of this season, so we can talk more mm -hmm. in general terms. What you thought about the season, Capaldi's run as a doctor on the whole, and then also the finale. So in that order, what you thought about, let's go with Capaldi's run as a doctor in general. Of course, we have one more episode, but it's a point where you can definitely kind of look back and summarize. Yeah, I've loved Capaldi so much. I think he's been amazing. I, I think a few episodes, they were trying to find their footing with him, and they kind of wrote, especially that first season, depending on who wrote for him, it was kind of all over the place. He was kind of the mainstay. 
doing the best he can. This most recent season, I think, has been. I think he's been his best. I mean, he is. It's a shame we don't get really get to see him do another season because I think really this year he owned it. He really came into his own, and also the idea that we only got to see him with Nardole and Bill for a season. I, I would have liked to have seen more of that. You know, just oh, I was. I was having. Oh my fun. god! I loved Bill. I yeah. loved Nardole. I thought we had way, way too much Clara. And then when we finally get a couple of companions, I was like, oh, these guys are great. This could really define the. The Twelfth Doctor era, they're gone. Yeah, the rug got pulled out from under us. And I think there were some very good stories this season. A couple fell a little flat. On the whole, I was happy with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you happy with this season on the whole? Oh, on the whole, yeah. I mean, the the emoji episode was probably one of my least favorite. Yeah, uh, the three parts. That three parter, I think, could have been a little shorter. The, uh, that one episode, knock knock, where they're uh, at the house and uh, David Suchet is the uh, sort of the landlord of the house with the the college kids. I thought it was 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 amazing. I love that episode. Oh, that's funny. And, that, I um, felt that that was one I could have done without but it was good i just was I, like i was like oh why why is that story in his last season but you know what it, it, now that you mention it, it it's it's interesting to think about it in terms of sometimes that's what happens to the doctor sometimes things are a little what, bit more average and and out of the literally out of the woodwork what i loved i loved the banter between the doctor and the college kids as he tried that that had me in absolute stitches because it's like me hanging out with my sons my son and his friends He's trying to be hip and yeah, just falling there, flat. There were some and, and great Bill's moments. Kind of like okay, no, he, no, don't, he tries don't, to say laters, and I think he says, <laughs> "I'm down." I think he said that. He said something that something was, like, yes. something like that, and it was very funny. Yeah, I liked him being so out of touch with Bill and her friends. That was actually very and those fiery. are those are pure Capaldi moments, like that kind of banter. I think where he shines, and he's just so good. Uh, well, let's move it along to the uh, season finale and uh, give us your thoughts on oh, the. Well, I, I mean, two before that, the Ice Warrior one, I oh. thought was fantastic. I loved that episode. It was kind of that steampunk on Mars with the Ice Warriors. I thought it was a fantastic episode. That was a very big highlight for me. But, yeah, um, but so then the second to last episode was World Enough and Time, and then the finale, The Doctor Falls. And then those two, when we brought back the, the Mondas Cybermen, Mondasian Cybermen, that actually, I mean, it really dovetailed into the first Doctor story, The Tenth Planet, where he regenerates, um, I thought was just amazing. I thought it was a great episode. I love the concept of the ship, the long ship that's uh, on the brink of the, the black hole, and there's different time zones. And the show got dark. I mean, they they went, and the whole time I'm like, oh, they, there's no way. They're going to hit some sort of reset button, and it never happened. And they didn't. They I thought it was a really just a dark story but yeah, a really I mean, the, well told the one the tragedy of the doctor actually going almost as quickly as he can and it's just because of the time difference at the two ends of the ship you know he ends up missing by a few hours as we find out in the finale and uh, bill gets turned into a cyberman what did you think about the way they resolved that and obviously we're getting pretty deep into spoilers here uh the way that that was resolved uh, i wondered if it would be undone and she would go back to being Bill. I wondered if she would have to live life as a Cyberman. I wondered if she would die. And they sort of went with what I felt was an interesting callback, but a bit of a cop-out to the first episode this season. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I was I was glad they did. I didn't hit the, the reset button, which I thought they were going to do. They were just going to reverse it, and she would be fine. But knowing that this was probably going to be her last episode, I was really 
like, is this, are they really going to go through with this cyber conversion thing? And they did. I mean, that was it. She died. And they kind of, at the last minute, they kind of gave her the happy ending. And I was fine with that. That was a bit contrived, but I thought it was pretty good. And I liked Nardle's little, uh, his exit as well. Yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, and that was a great example of how Nardle had really kind of gotten into his own at that point. I, I think it was it was a nice wrap up, even if it was disappointing that it happened so soon in the, in the run of the 12th Doctor, Bill, and Nardal, but you know, we got to enjoy it along the way. Now, as somebody who's been a fan as long as you have been, talk about the reveal at the end of the episode that the 12th Doctor is greeted by the 1st Doctor. I, I had heard kind of rumors that that Christmas special might go that way. Throughout the whole episode, they kept quoting a line from the five Doctors of the Doctor. I think it he says it once, and then at the end, the twelfth doctor or the first doctor says it about, "I'm the doctor, the original," you might say, and which is echoed a couple times in that episode. And I thought it was, you know, this will be the third actor to play the first doctor, but bringing him over from that documentary where the actor David Bradley played William Hartnell himself, oh, it was a pretty good move. I liked it. I'll be curious to see because I'm assuming this Christmas special, the Doctor's fighting the regeneration. I think he he's, he does he just doesn't want to regenerate anymore. I think he's ready to just go, and I think it's going to be the first Doctor's job to kind of be a kind of it's a wonderful life moment and the, to let him know the universe needs the Doctor. Yeah, I, I think that if it's anything like It's a Wonderful Life, it's going to be amazing, you know. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned in the 12th episode of this 10th season, there's also a quote from Missy where she says to the master, I loved every minute of being you, which it was pointed out by something I read, but I had seen this. There was sort of, a, I don't even know, I don't think it's canon, but there's this moment where David Tennant meets an older Peter Davison who's supposed to be whisked out of one of his episodes even though he's, let's be honest, mm -hmm. older and fatter. There's no other way to put it. And, oh, it's canon. It's canon. Yeah, In my and, mind, it's And canon. so it's interesting because David Tennant does say that to him. You know, yep. he, he says to Peter Davison, I loved every minute of being you. And I thought that that was a nice touch, too. I think that there were some great echoes of things that had come uh, past on the show. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, look, it's it's very exciting, this idea of watching Capaldi hang out with the first Doctor. And I like the Christmas episodes to be fun, and they aren't always. But yeah. I, uh, I, I think that this one will at least be fun for a while, and then probably it'll have to get a little bit dark towards the end, because uh, it will indeed be the end. Yeah, well, it'll be a Christmas special where we'll have... Three doctors. I know we'll have one, twelve, and thirteen. Well, let's so. let's put it this way: at least three doctors. You never know. Oh, that's true. Maybe that's Paul McGann true. finally gets his moment in the sun. Oh no. Yeah. Well, Never happen. Uh, anyway, Rafe, I really appreciate you uh, taking some time. I felt like as as the person who we've probably talked with Doctor Who the most, uh, the uh, next stage in Starling, I guess on the podcast it, we would have been remiss without getting your thoughts on the 13th doctor in this season and i look forward to talking to you about the christmas special as well oh no doubt no doubt sounds good we bring the conversation back to shirley shirley hot who is the owner and proprietor of the pandorica 165 main street in beacon new york at the pandorica restaurant on instagram pandorica restaurant no vowels r-s-t-r-n-t on twitter and the Pandorica Restaurant on Facebook. Shirley, uh, what did you think of this season, 
Peter Capaldi's last season as the Doctor? I thought it was wonderful. I really did. I, I thought uh, that his partnership with Bill was amazing. I thought that uh, the whole storyline with Missy turning good was wonderful. Um, everybody played their role so well. And uh, it was very moving and sad. It, it, it definitely gets very sad. And I, of the frame of mind, that I really enjoyed Nardal. I thought he was very funny. I think we could have done a little bit more with him, but I thought... Well, he, he's coming back. Oh, is he really? Oh, yeah. He's going to be in the new season. He's the only one that's going to be in the new season. I, I had not heard that, so that's really interesting. I, I, I welcome that, by the way. I like the idea that there could be some carryover from the <laughs> final Capaldi season because I felt like we could have certainly gotten some more Nardal. I love the dynamic of the three of them, you know, the episodes <laughs> where the three of them all ended up somewhere. And even, you know, tragically, the uh, second-to-last episode, the penultimate episode of the season, where before Bill gets shot, and we're obviously going through all the spoilers as we talk about all this, the beginning part of that episode was still very funny, with Missy trying to be the doctor and, you know, referring to Nardole <laughs> as... Taking over Nardole's job on the computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the episode World Enough and Time we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, so I really liked seeing... I would have loved to have seen more of this permutation of the three of them but that's all right something tells me you know there'll be novels and comic books and maybe even audio adventures so they'll find a way to tell more of these stories but as you sort of alluded to getting to know bill fairly well during the season and getting attached to her it really made the ending of episode 11 that much more heartbreaking the idea that because of the time difference at the two ends of the ship the doctor uh-huh. was moving as fast as he could and he still missed by a few hours bill being turned into a mondasian cyberman and that last line at the end of the episode when she says i waited for you it's just like I just could not believe you know it's just like i gotta i gotta wait a whole week to see where this goes coming out of her eye yeah it, which turns out to be important in, in the final episode, but it was Correct. such an emotional moment, and it's just like I couldn't even imagine what it was going to take to top that and how they were going to wind it all up. There was something in that episode, though, that I, I posted about on Facebook, and I thought I actually think this was Instagram. I posted about this on Instagram, and it was the exchange that Bill had with the master, not realizing he was the master, about the tea and how bad the tea was. And Oh, yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> a, a, a good positive <laughs> mental attitude will help with the horror to come. And she asks, what horror? And he says, mainly the tea. The tea. And unfortunately, <laughs> like, you're right. That's not fitting to include on the menu at a tea restaurant. But it, it did make me think of the Pandorica when I heard it. I'm like, they have to be able to utilize that in some way, the idea of the yeah, tea. Yeah, it, it's going to be difficult because, you know, I am blending my own teas now. Um, Oh, excellent. It would be difficult to come up with the master's tea because <laughs> but it wouldn't be any obviously <laughs> being able to go with the wordplay of teapot, a Bill Potts teapot, certainly yes. should be something that uh, you're able to serve in the near future. I'm hoping. I'm <laughs> hoping. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to come up with lots of ideas, so much going on, you know, everything. I appreciate the input. You've been giving me a lot of great ideas and I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> I just, I, look, I just try to help you. Run, run with them or don't. But, uh, and so I thought that the uh, finale was very well done and I was glad that they didn't go for 
you know, it would have really undone the emotion of what happened to Bill if the doctor was able to undo her being turned into a Cyberman, you know? I Well, he didn't. Yeah. But I thought I th- I didn't love the choice from a storytelling standpoint, but I liked Bill so much where I was really happy that that she got a good ending. The the good ending with the water character who I remember Heather. The, her name was Heather, because that's my Heather. wife's name, so that made it easy for me to remember, that Heather showed up, and I was like, all right, that isn't necessarily where I thought this was going, but it was a really nice touch, and we're able to be happy for Bill, which it did not look like we were ever going to be able to be happy for Bill, did it? It, it never did. I, I'll have to tell you, though, that I always felt that there was some underlying uh, secret to Bill and her relationship to the Doctor, because when she was introduced... In the first episode, it, he always looked at her, looked at, you know, Susan, his granddaughter, and River, and then looked at her, and he, almost as if she was part of his family, that we, and we would find out later what that connection was, which and we never did. We never, well, we haven't yet, but odds are that she could certainly appear in some form in the Christmas special, which we'll talk about in a moment. But it's interesting that you mentioned that, though, because, yeah, there definitely was this sort of familiarity, and we did see the framed photo of Susan a lot on the doctor's desk at the university he was teaching. While we haven't seen that paid off yet, it could very well factor into what we see in the Christmas special, which, before we move to the Christmas special, I wanted to get your thoughts of seeing both uh, Michelle Gomez as Missy and John Sim as the master, basically the same character inhabiting the same screen. I found that to be so much fun. That was the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, and, and in true fitting master slash Missy fashion, of course they each killed each other. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so we think. Or, yeah. Know. So that moment at the end of the episode, though, where the 12th Doctor surprisingly happens upon the first Doctor setting up the Christmas special. Oh, my special. God, David Bradley, yes. Yeah, <laughs> who was great in the Adventure in Time and Space movie about mm-hmm. the creation of Doctor Who. What did that do in terms of getting you... Did it make you more excited for the Christmas special? Cause it I, made I know- me more excited for the Christmas special. It also made me think, uh, obviously not for long, because they, they came out with the new Doctor, that possibly David Bradley would be playing the new Doctor, because he said... I think some of the final words of William Hartnell as number one was, um, I will come back. Yes, that's a great point. Yeah, I had thought, you know, okay, David Bradley is number 13. You know, it, it, it almost fits because he's got all these new incarnations now, so, or regenerations. Yeah, I know he's got... It would fit that Bradley, yeah, David he's, Bradley he's, would be one of them. He's got the new and regeneration And also, David Bradley has worked with Chris Chibnall before also. I had read that somewhere, actually. He worked Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. Oh, uh, right. was a Chris Chibnall episode that David Bradley played the bad guy in. Oh, that's right. And uh, that that one's a lot of fun. So that's great. And that's interesting, too, because you feel like that's the sort of thing that they might very well factor in, you know. And, they and, do. They connect up their people that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, the fact that we had seen Capaldi before in, in Pompeii. You know, I like mm-hmm. that there, there was a callback to that. You know, it's funny because what you're referencing in terms of the idea of seeing the first Doctor again reminds me of in The Day of the Doctor. We saw, obviously, a much older Tom Baker that made right. this sort 
sort of reference to revisiting some familiar faces, which exactly. could obviously be the reference to Capaldi's face from Pompeii, but mm-hmm. also sort of the promise of getting to see some more doctors. So the episode for the Christmas special is called The Doctors. And while I was speaking with someone before, uh, they said that they were excited that there would be three doctors in there, you know, one, 12, and 13. And I was like, who's to say it stops at three doctors? There could be, mm-hmm. there could be even more doctors in that episode. So, Well, Moffat said it would be shocking and the fans would love it. Yeah, and... Uh, but you would hope that would be the goal of every episode anyway. <laughs> that's, you know, that's very true. And I remember while they were filming that episode, he said that it was a fanboy's dream, which is probably a mm-hmm. reference to actually being able to be on the set with 12 and 1 at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was all very exciting. It all feels rushed, like there's so much happening, but I think that makes it all that much more exciting. Yeah, uh, well, it rushed maybe, but it got what, five months to go? Yeah, that's true. I know, now that you put it that way. And the fact that uh, my wife's uh, due date for our aforementioned daughter is a week before Christmas, I'm not trying to rush it because there's a lot of planning that needs to happen before our little girl moves into the house. So uh, I I expect, though, she'll probably be asleep uh, somewhere on me where I'm trying to squeeze in time to watch this late Christmas <laughs> night. But Probably. Yeah. It'll be fun, though. It'll be her first... Uh, initiation to Doctor Who. Right, exactly. She'll get it like in the first week, whereas, you know, my my son will be a a bit older at that point. Well, anyway, Shirley, thank you so much for taking time. I know things are always very busy over there at the Pandorica. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us again here on the Blackcast. And the Pandorica is 165 Main Street, Beacon, New York, and thepandoricarestaurant.com the Pandorica Restaurant on Instagram, Pandorica Restaurant, no vowels on Twitter, and the Pandorica on Facebook. It's good that you have them all covered because not everybody <laughs> has all of them, and it, it's good to have a good presence on all of them. But I always see that you're you're always posting fun things on the Instagram, you know, events, trivia nights, and uh, painting nights. So it seems like there's always something fun happening over there. Always, always trying to to bring something new and different. And uh, have fun and hope to to continue that for a long time. I thank you, Christian, for for getting me on the show to give my views on what's happened. It's always fun and exciting. It's always fun to have an excuse uh, to chat with you. If I'm not able to do it there in person, we might as well do it uh, on the podcast. But uh, like I said, I hope to make it back there soon. Thanks again, Shirley. You're welcome. Thank you. Back with us is Zoe Fraud-Blanar, who, among her many credits, is a great book called Super Fandom, How Our Obsessions Are Changing, What We Buy, and Who We Are. Zoe, we talked earlier about The New Doctor, but let's take a quick look back at the outgoing 12th Doctor. Uh, Again, you didn't see the way that the series wound up, but the whole time we knew it was Peter Capaldi's last season. How do you feel about his tenure as a Doctor and how some of these stories shaped up to be kind of a send-off for him? I feel mixed. I feel mixed. You know, he was never my favorite Doctor. I'm I'm willing to be completely upfront about it. Uh, Some of the the multiple uh, episode story arcs, you know, the things which in the past have really stood out as, wow, they really did some great storytelling there. For him, they never quite came together. And I'm not sure if that's because the writing wasn't there or just because he wasn't strong enough to pull it together or, you know, just the moon was in the wrong alignment or what. I, I think he did totally fine job. I don't think he let anyone down and certainly he kept it afloat, which is what's really important. And this is a, a commercial undertaking when all said and done. But, you know, when you think of an episode like um, 
pyramids at the end of the world, you know, or or even even some of the early ones here, like thin ice, you know, their historical yeah. stuff is usually so strong. It just it can't hold a candle to maybe some of the stuff, you know, even from a couple seasons ago. Yeah, I when I was uh, talking to my friend Will earlier, I highlighted the three part about the monks, and I actually thought the first two parts were actually really well done, and I was very excited to how it paid off, and then it just kind of fizzled at the end, and that sort of kind of turned the tide of the season for me because I was like very excited. I'm like, wow, this is really building. Um, Again, no spoilers. I was mostly satisfied by the ending of the finale, so I felt like, all right, it was good. Uh, My aforementioned friend Will, who's a part of the Black cast, he felt like Peter Capaldi was a great doctor who never really got very many good stories with which to inhabit, so that to him is very disappointing. I, I think I liked more episodes than he did and possibly more than you did, but you definitely got some, especially this season, where you're like, I, I kind of feel like this was a waste. You know, this guy got to do 12 more episodes this season. You just wanted it to be bigger. But then when they made it bigger, I, or me personally, I was a little bit let down by how it played out. Maybe it's not fair to blame Capaldi for this one. I, I think maybe, especially in this final season, what he really suffered from was a lack of good villains. You know, I mean, the Doctor exists in opposition to evil and awfulness and interesting ways of dying in horribly interesting ways and there just really wasn't a whole lot of that going on you pointed out a couple of them but but even you know the big bad of the season which which was the monks i mean you know what was their deal they kind of wanted to be there and that was sort of it and and who's ever really been scared by a monk before but also i mean your <laughs> your big bad of the season was missy and you kept her locked up for pretty much half the season you know you only saw the reveal at the end to the penultimate episode which is the fact that we have her and the previous master as played by john sim so you at least built towards that but at the same time you're like man you could have had some other people along the way you know uh, it, it, I, I, some big Badder villains or something, but we we deal with what we're we're dealt. I yeah. guess you know at at the yeah. at the card game that is uh, uh, entertainment. You you know you, all you can do is is fan fiction your way out of uh, out of a bad scenario <laughs> and try and rewrite something. Having not seen the finale, do you know anything about the Christmas special? Have you had that ruined for you at all, or is it all up in the air for you still? I purposely have not. The Christmas specials tend to be a little hit or miss. Sometimes they're just absolutely fantastic, and you're sort of clapping, cheering, and bouncing up and down on the couch, and sometimes they're kind of like, what? Yeah. What happened here? Um, Obviously, it's a great time to introduce new characters. Usually it's companions, but it has at least on one occasion been uh, a new doctor. So also just because it has such great ratings, that's a good time to either start new things or give themselves a boost in this commercial world that we're living in. I don't know. I'm trepidatious. Is that a word? It is indeed a word. About... It's a good word. It's an appropriate word to use right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full, full of trepidation. Yeah. Um, well, but I'm cautiously hopeful, um, especially because, you know, I mean, uh, the people they have coming on will be great. It's, you know, Peter Capaldi, he, he was good. He was. He wasn't my doctor, but he did a good job. It's not his fault that things were a little bit slower this season. But, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. Any show that's been running as long as this one has is going to have some ups and downs. It kind of has to. It makes perfect sense. I do think when you see the season finale for this season, uh, you will probably be a little bit more excited about the Christmas special. But 
it's always good to be trepidatious. <laughs> I thought that Matt Smith's last episode, which was a Christmas special, was one of the worst ones that I've watched just because we watched Oh, hmm. yes. We, we watched him get old in a town called Christmas and then he was young again and I, I think the word you're looking for is uh cheesy. <laughs> that was the word. I think that that's the uh that's the proper term for it. Cheesy. That's one a sort of contentious character in Doctor Who lore is somebody I'm very fond of, and that's Clara Oswalt. And you told me that you were so fond of her that you actually didn't watch the end of the previous season. Yeah, I'm actually two for two for not watching the end of seasons <laughs> right now. It's it's like, you know, when a, a famous author has died, you don't want to read his last book because you want to always have it there that you know you could... It's funny that you say that because there's only 45 episodes of Monty Python's Flying Circus. I've intentionally not watched about five or six of them. I have a set and I'm like, no, I like the idea that one day I can watch one I've never seen. And the <laughs> idea that I'll have seen them all is kind of sad. You know, because they're, exactly. they're, they're not making more. They're not even making more movies at this point. So the idea that there's more, but it's, it's interesting, though, because the one you didn't watch, I guess Clara had already passed away before that. Ah, uh, don't let's not talk about it. All right. <laughs> I'm convinced that when they write companions, they have a big hat and each of them has one characteristic, and they pull the characteristic out of the hat, and they say, all right, well, I guess this one's going to be funny, or I think this one's going to be loving, or I think this person's going to be courageous. And they, they get that one characteristic, and then they, they toss it over to the writers, and they say, go for it, guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we see that in all of the, the companions. I suppose they kind of have to have almost kind of these shorthand companions, because they don't stay around for long enough to really build them out as full-fledged characters, unless they've been around for a really long time. But for Clara, I feel like the, the word that they picked out of the hat was smart. And it's been a long time since there was a smart companion. You know, someone who really understood what was going on, and she didn't take any guff from anyone, and she, she didn't mind ordering around the doctor, and not just because she kind of could pull on his heartstrings because she actually knew what she was talking about. It's been a long time since there was a... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? She knew what she was doing, you know, and that's yes. just, it's nice to see. Well, I think that that's uh, one of those things that people didn't like about her. They felt like she <laughs> was too bossy to the doctor and she oh, should have been more no. differential. Ooh, and I was like, but the whole point was, it was like, well, she actually, at least to start, she did know better than him. You know, she's one of the rare companions in the reboot who was there for the change of a doctor. You know, Rose was really the last one. It, uh, it, it's interesting. So she's like, I actually know better. And there's that moment in Capaldi's first episode where we see the 11th doctor actually calls Clara to be like, you got to give him a chance. It's going to be tough for him. You know, it was almost like they were saying to the mm. audience, you got to give this guy a chance. So who knows <laughs> Who knows who's going to call Jodie Whittaker in her first episode and, <laughs> and be like, hey, that's all right. We're just giving you a little call here. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's the fact that she was, she was so competent. They wrote her as a a competent lady, and that's, that's nice, because we don't really need kind of, you know, the damsel in distress characters, which they once were. They were kind of more just a plot point, something to either keep safe or move around or, or motivate the doctor. And we don't really need that anymore. We have better writing now. We don't need kind of a, a silly plot point to, uh, to motivate him, because we have more complex motivations now, hopefully, anyway. 
uh, and more interesting ones to boot. And I, I like that she was like that. She wasn't an Amy Pond. I loved Amy Pond, but, you know, she was a damsel in distress. She was waiting. She waited for the doctor, and, and then she waited some more, and then she waited for her boyfriend slash husband. She, she kind of sat around and waited, and she was lovely, but she wasn't, she wasn't Clara, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's a great point, and I, I do like how different they are, and again, that's another thing to be excited about for the next iteration of the show, who that next companion will be and what their dynamic will be like. Uh, that'll be kind of uh, exciting slash uh, very interesting to see, but uh, we will both keep an eye on that, won't we, Zoe? Yeah, with, with bated breath. I'm going to have to force myself to watch that last episode at some point. <laughs> well, th- this last episode from this season, I, I think you should definitely watch it. Uh, it it's, there, there are some good emotions throughout. You'll leave with a good feeling in your heart. You know that that one from last year. I don't know. You might you might still feel sad if you watched it. So I won't even I won't even push you towards that one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the one this year. All I right. Think, Advice oh, taken. Advice yeah. taken. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, thank you so much for uh, talking about uh, all of this with us, uh, Zoe. And again, I want to get the plug for the book because I will corner you at least on the phone and uh we will sit down and talk about this for real super fandom how our obsessions are changing what we buy and who we are and uh that's my friend zoe fraud blenar zoe thank you so much for being on the Blackcast once again thank you always fantastic and once again zoe fraud blenar in addition to being the author of super fandom how our obsessions are changing what we buy and who we are is also a faculty member of new york university's interactive telecommunications program and NYU Journalism, and very importantly, co-founder and CEO of the crowdsourced toy company Squishable. Go to squishable.com and you will find some very adorable, very squishable stuffed animals. Now we circle back to our friend Will Sterling, who has uh, been here sitting silently the whole time, and we uh, just want to do sort of a brief summary of season 10 series 10 for the brits among us Mm -hmm. on the whole how did you feel about peter capaldi's last season it was for the most part on in the background as i was packing as i was moving so it was like life hashtag life changes mm -hmm. it ended up being something that i kind of that was like on the what is the word periphery yes yes yeah i mean i paid attention and there were certainly episodes that i liked um what ones stand out as ones that you liked i mean i really liked the finale Yes. Um, the Ice Warriors one is kind of fun because I like the Ice Warriors, but the episode was just okay. It was, yeah. That's one of those ones where, like, oh, it's cool that this is the adversary, and there's some, yeah. there's some interesting things about it. You know, sort of the the cast of the people that were camped out with the Ice Warriors right. was kind of interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't great. But you know what it was? It was fine. It was fine. But it was cool to kind of... It was a cool setting, and yeah, it was cool that the Ice Warriors were in it. I agree the with that. The pilot was okay. Not the pilot. The first episode. Well, it was called The Pilot, actually. Oh, it was called The Pilot. Yeah, that's that episode right. was called The Pilot. Um, was okay. That Water Girl, the way she came back... Um, spoilers. Oh, yeah. Spoilers the for... The way yeah. she comes back in the finale. Like, I didn't really understand. I, I understood it. I was very disappointed that that was the way out. Yeah. You know, I feel like... Maybe it's because I kind of wasn't paying attention. I don't know. I was just like, wait, it's just... You can just... Go. Well, 
she did follow them throughout time and space yeah. in that episode, the pilot. So right. that was definitely shown to us beforehand right. that they that she could do that. Right. So. Which I guess was fine, although I didn't feel that it was fine at the time. Yeah. So the idea that just, she just sort of shows up at that point, I don't know. I thought that the idea of either Bill dying or Bill having to go through life as a Mondasian Cyberman yeah. was much, <laughs> a much better storytelling and, and much more tragic. Yeah, you know? yeah. And to the same extent that I feel like the way that uh, Clara died last season mm-hmm. and then they kind of you know, grabbed her in that second before she died and still had another adventure with her. The idea that Bill maybe wasn't going to die or have to live life right. like this is it's a little bit of a disappointment because it's like it's it's tragedy and it's mm-hmm. like there's that moment. Yeah. The moment at the end of the penultimate episode, the second to last episode, yeah. it where you realize that that's what happened. The mm-hmm. episode called World Enough in Time, which I was sort of searching for in that's my head when we were talking earlier. It was okay. Yeah, but just that moment where you, and she says, I waited for you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, that's rough. That was, you know, I spent a whole week of being so upset for Bill while right. I was waiting for the new episode. Right. You just watched them back to back. I did, yeah. Yeah, so you didn't have that week. No. So but I like that they use the Mondazian Cybermen, which is kind of fun because it's when they do little throwback things to that. It's... That apparently was something for Capaldi that he had oh, asked for them. Really? And, the old school and Cybermen Stephen design Moffat was always like, but they look so stupid with the like stocking on their head. Yeah. But they came up with a with a great, a great way, way to, to use them yeah. and then to sort of update it. Um, what did it you didn't need to be? Th- was it three parts? What that was the one was two parts. The three parter was the monks, and I thought I, I did not like that I story. I thought the first two parts of that were building to this great. Great climax. Dude, it went on I, so long. But I thought the first two parts were so good. Yeah. And then the third part, I was just like, well... So easy to get it, out it, of. Yeah, it, it was like two parts slap and one part dash. It yeah. was very slapdash. The way... And I was... The whole season for me had been building up until that point. Yeah. And then when I got that, I was like, oh, it like let some of the, the air out of the balloon. Well, and, and it's I was last very disappointed. season, it's like, let him just have some fun. Like, you could have a two-part episode, but why is this three parts? Yeah. And when you get to the end of the third part, you're like, we could have done this all in two, at least. We could do it in one. Like, it didn't need to be as... I don't know why he thought that the monks deserved as much time as they did, but they were, like, not interesting. No. They were not, not cool bad guys. Interested. Yeah, and it. I guess it... It served the purpose of reinforcing how tough Bill is yeah. in terms of her character. I guess. And I thought Nardal... Yes. Was wasted, kind in, of not in, utilized to in his that full story potential or in, in the season. season. Yeah, I thought he had some very funny moments, yeah, especially I mean, yeah. in the, the two-part finale, I think, was when we saw kind of him at his best. Right. But yeah, this is another one of those things where it's unfortunate that these three came together mm-hmm. at the end of <laughs> this weird Stephen Moffat's run. run, Yeah. where it's like, oh, I you could have definitely had some more fun with the two of them. Right. You know, I mean, obviously the three of them, but I mean the Doctor and, and these Bill. two. Yeah. And Bill and Nardal, you yeah. know, and I like that Nardal was always like, you know, trying to keep him to his task right. and all that. Right. Uh, what did you think about the two masters? Uh, I like that. It was kind of cool. I like, you know, you see, you see, you see two doctors together all the time, and you you rarely see two masters yeah. together. Um, so I thought that was a lot of fun. John Sim, I think, was really popular when they used him as the master, and I thought Missy was cool. And I like that push and pull with Capaldi and Missy and that. And it's not some people are like oh what are they gonna bone? It's like there there is that interesting chemistry, and because now we know that time lords are sort of gender fluid, it, it can work. But there was also the biggest pull was like that the master doesn't want to be this terrible person anymore, right? And John Sim is like the the ultimate um, 
you know, of like h- hating the doctor, at least in yeah, terms he, of the new he's doctor. He's not, who. he's not ready to no. sort of reconcile with that. But she, and yeah. I found she it to killed be herself, very you know. interesting that we didn't see either of them die, by the way, either of them actually, you know, lying there lifeless. We right. saw them in the process of, of dying and yeah. we don't really know. And we also don't know, and they address in the interview is, does it go from John Sim to Missy? We don't actually know. There could be someone else in between. There That's could true. be several people in between. Yeah. We just literally don't That's know. That's the joy of space and time. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's interesting because we can see either or both of them again. Right. And the idea that we would see both of them again is kind of exciting. And I I felt like I was the only one who in that second to last episode, World Enough in Time, didn't didn't realize that that was John Sim as the guy down in the oh, ballot. Really? Yeah, I just felt like an idiot. But I've heard other people say that they didn't know, but most people figured when it out. When he like pulled off the disguise? Yeah, yeah. Before no, no, before the disguise I yeah. realized. Yeah. But the the like a minute before the, the disguise came off is when I'm like, oh my God, it's him. <laughs> I, I just didn't know. I guess I I was just I like this is such read, a weird character. I had read that John Sim was coming back to the show. So well, then, I knew he was coming back. Yeah. I just didn't know he was that guy. Oh, I think yeah. maybe halfway through I was like Oh, yeah, he's probably that guy. Yeah. Well, because obviously in Classic Who, it's always about like, oh, but I'm not this person. You know, I'm not some like magical genie or whatever. You know, they were 30 minutes, so they always had cliffhangers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The cliffhangers where it's like, oh, my God, someone's been shot. And then they they recap and it's like, oh, yeah, somebody else was shot. Yeah. It was androids that were shot. Spoiler (laughs) alert. You know. So, uh, you know, as a whole, it was... um, was it fine or was it sub-fine? Was it a little bit less than fine on the whole? No, it was fine. There were some moments that I thought were really good. And I thought, again, Capaldi did a really nice job and he had some good moments throughout. A lot of people hated that Christmas special with the superhero. I thought that I was kind of cute. I thought that one was fun. We've talked yeah. about that before. I thought that was fun. But, so let's look ahead to the future. Yes. Not all the way to 13th Doctor. Right. To Christmas time. How about that reveal at the end I'm where so, he's he's in the snow. So excited. Did you have any idea that he was going to run into the first Doctor? I had spoiled it for myself on accident. Oh, okay. Well, so I saw like a headline or a posting, and I was like, "Fuck!" I knew that there that they had cast that actor. His name's David Bradley. Mm-hmm. Right? They had cast him to play the first Doctor yeah. for the Christmas special. And then as it got a little bit closer, I kind of heard, "I'm like, okay, so I guess he's going to show up at the end of yeah. the the finale." And um, I mean, yes, it, when he, before he hears the voice, I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. There's only, like, one minute left in the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, even having it spoiled, how cool was it for him oh, to see? Oh, it's awesome. Because he, did you see uh, An Adventure in Space and Time? Yes, the, the I thought that that was actually biography. a lot of fun. That's, a lot of fun, and he yeah. did a great job. Yeah. And I don't see why we shouldn't just recast the, the actors who have passed away if you want to use the characters. It's yeah. fun. That's the joy of it. Also, Peter, uh, uh, Paul McGann is still alive, BBC. <laughs> Fucking use Were, him. Was there a part of you that hoped that Capaldi regenerated into it's a Paul, Paul McGann? McGann? Yeah. Yes. You're <laughs> <laughs> just like, there was always a chance. Yeah. God, I just want to see him come back for one episode, like a special, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, just, give him an hour. It could be a Christmas. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's great. David Bradley did such a good job as William Hartnell in the in the little biopic that I think this, and he, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's and cool. the first Doctor was already played by a different actor. In yeah, the it's already happened. There's three Doctors, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's... Which is fine, but it's exciting, and I like the idea. You feel like it's going to be fun, but you also know that that episode will have to get really heavy at some point towards the end. Yeah, and you just hope it's a it's a fun mix right. of everything. Right, and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see though because uh, you know that that episode will air on Christmas. Yeah. So depending on 
some of the uh, laws of Mother Nature, I'm going to have a very small baby. Oh. So we'll see when I get to watch that episode. Maybe, Your maybe daughter's Christmas first doctor is a girl. It's a point that I made earlier in this very episode that uh, the the only yeah the only thing that she'll ever know is a world where the doctor can be a lady yeah a woman it's a great world to grow up in I guess especially as a girl yeah you know but look we get it people get upset about these sort of things just be open to it yeah watch it see where it goes it's fiction if you, you know, don't like it don't watch it, it. Doesn't, Shut up. whatever happens people are not happy people hated this you right. know right. and you I know don't. what happened when they made an all female Ghostbusters. The world kept going. Right. We're and, all still alive. And Isn't that crazy? The, the people who didn't want to see it yeah. were glad that it didn't make enough money to make a sequel. Right. So everybody somehow won in that one. The yeah. haters and yeah. the people who wanted the movie. Yeah. But you saw the female Ghostbusters, right? I saw it. Yeah. It was fine. It was all right. Yeah, it was whatever. And it had, it had nothing to do with them. The Like, oh, it's a female cast. I was like, great. Yeah. I just didn't think it was that funny. Yeah. Like of a movie. But we can hope that uh, the Doctor Christmas special, which will be called The Doctors. Oh. I saw that. Maybe there the... will be a Paul McGann again. What if they're all in it? I will say this as long as I can live. As long as Paul McGann is alive. Which will be a very long I time. I will continue to champion that he be in at least one episode of the show. I don't see why he wouldn't be. Come on. But the, the night of the Doctor wasn't enough for you. For, funny enough, he out of all of the Doctors who've ever played the Doctor or like any of the Doctors number-wise, he has the most stories ever. That's in because books, of, comics, yeah. Big Finish, everything. He has the most. The he, has the, he has more stories than anyone. anyone. Even, even Tom Baker. Yep. That, you know what? That's one to grow on. Yeah. I, I did not know that. Uh, special thanks to our pal Will Sterling at... Will Sterling underscore. And the Motivation Report, in addition to being on Twitter, at Motivate Report, yeah. where else do they go to find it? Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. I think that's it. Maybe Google Play. Is it, do you have Motivation Report as a website? Yeah, MotivationReport.com. Okay. Yeah, right. You can I, listen on the website, but most people go through the app. Right, but this is just all the different ways where yeah, you can yeah, find yeah. it. Yeah, Motivation yeah. Report. Wait, there's a Motivation Report. Message me. There's a Motivation Report app. No, no, no. I meant oh, like it. I was, I was like, wait a minute, why is there not a Blackcast app? People say, where can they find the show? And I usually just say like Apple Podcasts or whatever because yeah. it's like people get it on their phone. How many times do you sit like at your computer like and listen to a podcast? Not that often. Besides your own that yeah. you're editing. Well, yeah. that's, uh, yeah. I spend a lot of hours in the <laughs> I mean, monster. I spend lots of hours because yeah. I work on these shows. But no, I mean, I don't just sit at my computer. Like, no, usually mm, it's, it's on the phone. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, yeah. that's my preferred way to... Uh, consume a podcast but is mo- yeah motivation the, dot motivation report.com if people really want to yeah it's a, it's a good listen see a on the treadmill getting a pump whatever oh, yeah. whatever you're doing if yeah. you're sweating why not and now we come to the end of our conversation on doctor who i hope that the whovians among you enjoyed the conversation about the new doctor the outgoing doctor and what the future might hold and for those of you who maybe aren't fans but listen anyway i really appreciate that maybe you've been interested and intrigued enough that you're going to check out the show at some point but if not we appreciate you listening to the black cast thanks to agent starling thanks to zoe thanks to shirley thanks to mark thanks everybody who was on this fun installment of the black cast we've taken up more than enough of your time so thank you so much and we will see you next time on the black cast